Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In this week's show, we dissect round one of the 2023 F1 World Championship in Bahrain. We discuss all the drama, all the action, and the unexpected surprises. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. Formula One kicked off with the Bahrain Grand Prix that saw Max Verstappen win the race with Sergio Perez and Fernando Alonso joining him on the podium. For Red Bull, it was an easy race, but for others such as McLaren and Alpine, it was plagued with problems and penalties. We are here to discuss round one of the 2023 championship, the Bahrain Grand Prix. I'm Ollie, and with me to discuss this, we have Abby. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm a bit tired because it was a very hectic weekend with F1, F2 and F3, but I'm glad to be here recording the first race of the season with you guys. How are you, Ollie? I'm very well, thank you for asking. And you're all tired because Sam left you all alone, didn't he? Just to, he did. just to do everything. Sam, where were you this weekend and how are you feeling? I was in Bristol this weekend on a stag do, um, and I felt better. Yes, we have heard all of the all of the chaos that went on over your weekend, but as long as you're here, that's the main thing. Do you want to share any any stories or just? I, I'd like to politely decline. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, well, thanks for coming along. I'm, I'm appreciative that you're here, um, James McKenzie. How are you today? I'm all right, thanks. How are you, Ollie? I am very good, thank you. 
So coming up on today's show, we will give our weekend ratings for the Bahrain race weekend. We're going to do a world-famous Formula Nerds quiz. We're going to do the also world-famous National Anthem Review and discuss the race. So don't go anywhere. So starting off, let's give our weekend ratings. So if you listen to last podcast, you'll remember what we, how excited we were. We gave our ratings for that. But we've seen it all. It's all done. It's all dusted. Sam, out of 10, how would you have given this weekend as a whole? Now, that's all all track action. I'm going to give it a seven. I actually think it was better than I fear some of you may feel. Um, I enjoyed the race when I watched it. Um, I thought it, it was pretty good for a race where the winner was a foregone conclusion after two laps. So, yeah, I think it the season could be quite an interesting one. There's lots to talk about, lots to draw from it. Okay. Um, and Abby, you were covering the F3 and F2 as well this weekend. So as a whole, including F1 as well, how would you rate this weekend out of 10? The weekend as a whole, I would say 7.5 because it is early days and I feel like it could get better. F1 itself, 6.5 out of 10. Oh dear. Oh dear. That, that's not the 8.5 that you were predicting last weekend. Okay. Um, James McKenzie, what would you give it out of 10? Yeah, I'm a six, six and a half as well. And I'm going to say qualifying is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. I didn't think qualifying was that exciting. I thought it was a bit of an anticlimax. I mean, the very final. Okay. So uh, I would give it a. The weekend as a whole, I'd give it an eight out of 10. I thought we had some brilliant F3, um, some brilliant F2, and. Um, some very good F1, but uh, there's a little bit left to be desired. As always, the F2 and the F3 doing the heavy lifting over the weekend. I've got to say, and Sam, you said it in the last show, if you want to watch racing, you, you've got to watch the F3 and F2 races, right? It was filled with chaos, filled with brilliant, brilliant racing. Oh, yeah. No, honestly, it's, it's, it's the place to go for, for that if that's what you want. Okay, so those were our weekend ratings. Uh, let's talk a little bit then about practice and qualifying. Um, Abby, do you want to run through the, the highlights? So practice one, we saw Perez go top of the timesheets, which in a Red Bull car wasn't surprising. Alonso was in a Red Bull sandwich, which coming from testing, everyone had high hopes for Aston Martin, Alonso in particular, and he did prove to have a strong pace. Stroll obviously was in the car this weekend. Despite his accident, he was still racing. But one thing that stood out in FP1 was a wobbly rear wing for Ferrari. However, they did change it to a double pillar rear wing, which definitely seemed a lot more stable. FP2, we saw Piastri have a lockup, K-Mag having issues, Stroll having some issues, but it was Alonso that topped the timesheets ahead of the two Red Bulls. And then FP3, Alonso again continued to dominate, but we saw Hamilton having a good session despite Mercedes' hesitance at how good their car would be. And he did go fastest at one point, but it was Alonso who topped the timesheets in FP3 again. So, guys, looking at the FP, well, the, the, the free practice results, did you actually think that Aston Martin were as fast? as they seem to be. Uh, James, I'm, I'm going to ask you first, because I, I thought, yeah, it looks good now, but no one's turned their engines up yet. Yeah, I was still taking everything with a, a large pinch of salt. I, you know, we saw, and I said this in my hot take prediction, which did not last very long uh, into the season, as we'll get to, but 
or you know, Astin flattered to, flattered to deceive. That's quite difficult to say. Uh, so many times last season, I was kind of waiting for them to. I, I mean, they clearly had a very good car. They were at least at the, the front of the midfield, but I was waiting for them to, yeah, slip back into kind of sixth, seventh, eighth, maybe. But it just didn't really happen. And Sam, ahead of qualifying, did you think, yeah, this is still Red Bull's year? You know, <laughs> forget what you're seeing in practice. It's all about qualifying. Is that is that where your head was at? Absolutely. Um, I think you, you, look, you look at those FP2 and FP3 timesheets and yeah, Alonso's at the top, but it's Fernando Alonso. He, he's, he doesn't do things by half measures. And he was like a over Red Bulled, ironically, child over the weekend, <laughs> just bouncing off every surface he could find. Um, so that enthusiasm clearly came out in the car. And that's why, you know, he was, you know, giving it full beans, wherever he could. So going into qualifying, it was the first time this year that we've actually seen representative times. So Abby, do you want to give us a quick rundown of what actually they were? Yes. So in Q1, we did see a red flag in the session because Leclerc's wheel arch flew off. We saw science have some, have some track times deleted, much like happened in the junior formulas. But we did see sergeant who it's his rookie season his first time f1 qualifying he posted the exact same time as lando norris but unfortunately because norris set the time earlier than sergeant sergeant did go out so the five drivers to go out of q1 were logan sergeant pierre gasly kevin magnuson oscar piastri and nick devries and whilst gasly did go out in 17th he then did start the grid, start the race from 20th. In Q2, we saw Stroll missed the Weybridge. Albon had horrendous understeer, but it was Nor- Norris, Bottas, Joe, Sonoda and Albon, who resulted having no time going out of the session, which then meant that in Q3, we still had Nico Hulkenberg into Q3. But it was quite anticlimactic, as Ollie said earlier, because Verstappen and and Perez were still out on the track towards the end of the session, setting their times, but both Mercedes drivers and Leclerc already came into the pits abandoning their lap times. So it was Verstappen on pole with a 129.7, and then Perez, so it was a Red Bull front row lockout, and then Leclerc, Sainz, Alonso ahead of Russell, Hamilton, Stroll, Ocon and Hülkenberg. Thank you, Abby. You can take a breath. Um, Okay, so let's talk about those qualifying results because there were a few shockers in there. Certainly, Nico Hülkenberg in the Haas, who everyone had predicted was going to be the... um the bottom of the grid all year. Um, that was what that was certainly a shock for me, James. What was a what was a shock for you? Yeah, Hulkenberg, hundred percent. Um, and then kind of as we've addressed, you know, Alonso kind of following up on on that practice, what he'd hinted at in practice. Um, and McLaren, who yeah, really struggled. Um, but yeah, just touching what Abby started with that that red flag. I thought that was a bit ridiculous. Not the most important thing in qualifying, but it was like a little bit of carbon off the racing line. And if we're going to do a red red flag for every one of those, we'd never get a race done. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the most dramatic red flag I've ever seen. Someone could have just popped out grabbed it if it was that much of a problem um yeah didn't need that um alonso was yeah uh, showing his pace certainly and both the aston martins in in the top 10 incredible sam what's your what's your take on quali 
I mean, yeah, obviously Hulkenberg, clearly he hasn't hasn't lost it yet. So I'd like to walk that one back from the prediction show slightly. Um, the McLaren, I, I think what you saw there was a difference in experience. The cars, yeah, they've got problems there. There is pace in that car, which Lando was able to unlock much better than Oscar Piastri, but it's a, you know, a real kind of a, a difficult first weekend for Piastri to, to start his F1 career on. Um, and yeah, I was a bit, I was, you know, Gasly, very disappointing, uh, starts the weekend as well. And the Alpha Tauris, just very anonymous, uh, really. Uh, so I wanted to call them out. It was very quiet. Um, and De Vries is going to have to close that Delta to Snowder. I think it was about seven tenths in qualifying, which is a is a big gap, um, especially when you need to be kind of at least up there with Snowder. Otherwise, it's very difficult to justify your position in the sport when Snowder's got a bit of a target on his back as well. And we, we haven't mentioned him yet, but what about Gasly? You know, he was one point... 1.1 seconds off the pace in, in qualifying one. That Was that what we were expecting? I mean, Esteban Ocon was 12th, a half a second off. So it's not a good not a good start for him, really, is it? Well, there's always someone who gets shuffled out because they're not in the correct order. They you know, find themselves in the wrong part of the track at the wrong time, saying they're wrong, you know, out of sequence with the rest of the field. And it looks like it was Gasly uh, this weekend. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you could you could say that Lewis Hamilton uh, at the end of Q1 was 13th. Um, so just scraping in, really, if, if we look at it like that. Um, but that was qualifying. Any any final thoughts on qualifying, guys? I thought uh, Perez was like refreshingly close to Max, at least in qualifying. He was, what, within two tenths? I mean, you never, you never thought he was going to get the number one next to his name as he came across the line. But it was... It was close-ish. Until the race, but we'll get to that. So before we get into the world-famous National Anthem Review, we're going to do the Formula Nerds quiz. So it is that time of the week where we get into the world-famous Formula Nerds quiz. And again, you liked it last week, so we're keeping it this week. Abby is going to be the quiz master. Abby, how are you feeling about not having to answer any questions? I'm feeling very good because I must admit I didn't actually have time to plan a quiz this weekend obviously there was a lot of motorsport going on which occupied us instead so I've got my quiz book and I've chosen a potluck round so good luck guys We'll see how we do. Not like whether we answer it, right? I can see Sam warming up. I'm doing my yeah, yeah. Got my stretches in. Yeah. James, you've done your revision? I mean, <laughs> Sam, that, was, that wasn't that was a stretch. That was some kind of, like, shimmy, like, belly yeah, I ended. I ended with the shimmy to, like, loosen... Like, to, to, <laughs> I was doing this before. I think I just pulled a muscle, but anyway. All right. Oh, um, I mean, you are, like, really old, only. Potluck. All right, Abby, I'm going to hand it over to you. Let us know how many questions, how long we've got. What, what are the rules? Okay, so... Potluck, meaning it can be on anything within the world of Formula One from the very beginning. You have 10 questions. Looking at some of them, some of them are fairly easy. Others, I'm glad you guys are answering and I'm asking. Okay. Right. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Good. Question one. The first ever race in the Formula One World Championship took place at what circuit? Silverstone. 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 Correct. You're off to a good start. Question two. Lewis Hamilton is one of three drivers to have started more than 200 consecutive Formula One races. Who are the other two? 
One of three drivers. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, Alonso so, Vettel. But no, it's it's who no. haven't missed oh, a race. Ah, wait, wait. Yeah, did John Vettel might did John, still be there? Did John Lacey get banned in that the ninety four ninety five season because he could be one of them? <laughs> he got to two hundred races. He was two hundred and one, wasn't he? For some reason, that's in my head. Yeah, something like that. Because they the Jordan, they go, we're doing that thing where we talk about it. Executive <laughs> is the key. Um, I think Vettel might have because he yeah, did I feel he like miss one between like oh seven and until the start of the 2021 season two which was it oh covid when he had covid uh so that could be 200 easily not Schumacher. it's not going to be Schumacher. He, he'd, he'd get banned he he had too many suspensions he got banned all the time Kimi Raikkonen yeah. uh, no he left for well he left multiple he left, times. He left halfway for his career mm. Alonso missed the race uh or two or he three. missed the whole season mate all right, let's pick. I know, but like before that. Uh, oh, he okay. missed, well, he missed, he missed the 2000... And Hold on, Abby's going to say something. You haven't mentioned either of them so far. <laughs> oh, no. The drivers you mentioned. Oh, Ricardo Patrese. I was... Half right, but n- no. Daniel Ricardo. Yes, is one oh, of them. Oh, really? Daniel Ricardo. That's the thing. I feel like they are going to be more... In- Bottas? No, but... I feel like they might be close. more modern. Show Guan Yu. <laughs> no. Uh, Massa. Felipe Massa. Uh, no. Um, no, he missed um, season or two. Yeah, he missed. Oh, no. Oh, no he, well, he missed loads of time when he got injured. Um, what team has Bottas raced for the most? Ferrari, Williams. But wait, you, you said other than Lewis Hamilton, didn't you? Yeah. Who else has Lewis partnered that has Oh, Nico Rosberg. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Nico, yeah. Right. Well done. So, right. Is, sorry, did we get that right? How does this yeah. work? Favorite? No, we can't have right. <laughs> no, we can't have Ricardo. We can't have Ricardo because why not? Because you, you said half right. You're Ricardo a generous Patrese. quiz master. <laughs> Just take the point. Okay. Question three: What colour flag is waved at a driver who has been disqualified from a race? Black. Yes. Mm-hmm. Question four: well, Let's ask Esteban. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Who holds the record for the most races started without ever gaining pole position? Pole position? I feel like I know this. I feel like I don't. <laughs> Sam, you're looking, you're looking out the window. <laughs> no. No, I'm just watching Nico Hulkenberg uh, driving around, but he obviously got a pole, didn't he? Got in a uh, pole, yeah. Um, to never get a pole position. Is it old or new? That's all I only clear um, possible. No. I feel like we should be able to get this. Roman Grosjean. Yes. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. As soon as you said it, I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which constructor achieved 15 podium finishes between 1999 and 2005, but never managed to win a race? Yeah. You answered that really yeah. quickly. Yes, that's correct. In 2005, which Jordan driver became the first Indian to take part in a Formula One race? Lorraine Carthacayan. Carthacayan, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Yes. the Cucumber. I'm glad you got that right. What? So what? Why was he called the Cucumber? Because he called cucumber. Vettel, Vettel called him a Cucumber. Infamously on the radio, I think the Chinese Malaysian <laughs> oh Grand Prix. I did oh, it wasn't. It wasn't a compliment. Like he got it. No, no, he got in the way, and he was like, "Who is this cucumber?" Or like, That's "What a cucumber?" I can't remember the phrase, the quote. That's but. a really weird name to call. What someone. an insult! Oh, very <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> I'm gonna check this now before I just like. <laughs> 
<laughs> giving someone a nickname. <laughs> Can you imagine if you, <laughs> you've just made that up? No, there you go. Slandered pornographer. And it was it was Malaysia. He called the Indian dri- Indian driver a vegetable. <laughs> says Mosesport.com. Okay, that's actually available. that's actually definitely more. Wait, did he say cucumber or vegetable? Because vegetable <laughs> is actually offensive. <laughs> no, he said cucumber. I'm trying to find the quote. I mean, I've never heard a compliment okay. for a cucumber before. But anyway, I mean, come you on, call us a cucumber. <laughs> Okay, whilst James is looking, question seven. Who holds the record for the most Grand Prix wins by a driver who failed to win the World Drivers' Championship? Sorry, I didn't listen listen to that because I was looking up cucumbers. What was the question, please? (laughs) Who holds the record for the most Grand Prix wins by a driver who failed to win the Drivers' Championship? Oh, it could be Felipe Massa. It could be David Coulthard. I feel like Uh, Felipe Massa's a good shout. Who did you say, James? Sterling Moss with 16. Yes, correct. Arthur. Well, didn't win a championship. No, famously didn't win a championship. Best driver mm. never to win a championship. Yeah. Yeah. This one is wins easy. He had, didn't he? 16. Mm-hmm. What about Daniel Ricciardo? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I am joking. Uh, so I have the quote. You'll be pleased to know. He said, as in real life, there are a few cucumbers on the road when Carter Kane nearly drove into him. Oh, sorry, all I can think about is a certain joke uh, that references a cucumber field. Uh, but that's probably what I should say. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, question eight. Ollie, this one's for you. What number car does Lewis Hamilton 44. drive? 44. Yes, there you go. <laughs> the answer came before the question on my, like, <laughs> my Zoom. I would have loved it if it was like, what number did he, drive, did he wear in the 2007 season? You're, you're therefore wrong. <laughs> okay, question nine. On which street circuit is there a particularly challenging part of the course known as the castle section? Oh, Baku. Baku. Yes, correct. And final question. Who was the first Red Bull driver to achieve a podium finish? DC, I think. Yeah, it's got before be. Weber. Yeah, Monaco, yeah. two thousand five. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right race, but <laughs> correct. <laughs> Easy, well done. Hey. Full marks. Full marks. Oh, lo- yes. no. Giving out A's. <laughs> yeah, giving out A's. <laughs> So that is the end of the world-famous Formula Nose Quiz. Um, Did you play along at home? Let us know how you did. Thank you, Abby. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so on to the National Anthem Review. This one was quite nice. It was by the Bahrain Police Band. Um, Now, I've got a few views on this, but let's start with our ratings. James, what would you give it out of 10? It was fine. It was a 7 out of 10. So it was a solid performance musically. I've got my musical hat on. Uh, No singing to complain about. No words to dissect it was it was fine it was it was fine okay good i'm glad i'm glad you're you're happy with it uh, abby what did you think of this uh, and what's your rating um i've given it a six out of ten it was pleasant to listen to they had the police band which was quite nice as james said there wasn't any vocals to go with it it was just instrumental which was good um i did notice a couple of things with the drivers throughout it with perez and stroll but it was an all right it was an all right tune so what, what happened with Perez and Stroll? Perez sneezed halfway through it. <laughs> it's hysterical. And then Stroll, you could see him. He went to put his hands on his hips and then his face contorted in pain and then he took them away, which hinted that his wrists were still a massive issue for him. Mm. The, the Perez sneeze is brilliant. We'll put that on our Twitter. Because um, you can see it coming for about, what, it's about seven seconds. You can see it building. He looks like he's, like, really intense, like, really, you know, <laughs> thinking about what he's going to do in the race. And it turns out, no, he was just trying to hold in his sneeze. It's so good. I just love the fact that the camera was on him when he was doing it as well. Ah, oh, brilliant. Um, Sam, over to you. I mean, I personally took it as a uh, as a middle finger up to the FIA, um, a political statement if I've ever seen one. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, fair play to Checo Perez for you know calling out the man. Um, yeah, in terms of it was fine. Like the not the sneeze. I don't, I'm not <laughs> I'm not rating the sneeze. <laughs> the world the famous anthem. sneeze review. Oh, was <laughs> yeah no. Um, yeah, it was like a six and a half out of ten. Actually, no, a seven. I'm going to give it a seven because you know what? They didn't do anything strange. There was no kids. There was no, you know, anything <laughs> like no, that. There's just there were no there were kids. No, yeah, you know, it's they 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 knew what their role was with the national anthem <laughs> and they delivered it as they should. So, props. As you can tell, Sam still doesn't like kids. Um, If you listen last season... To uh, to my girlfriend's dismay. (laughs) If you listen last season, Sam was rating down um, the the, the national anthems because they had kids in singing like Shrek. I Um, also rated rated down one of them because there was a kid holding the wrong side of his chest during the national anthem. Yeah, you did. Such a hard taskmaster. (laughs) I mean, he wasn't even part of it. He was just in the crowd. Just do better. Um, yeah, I will agree with you. I'll give it a 7 out of 10. But we need to clear up the flyovers, okay? So we thought they were banned. Uh, James, you just asked me about this. Uh, are they banned? Are they not banned? So we, we all thought they were banned, but didn't couldn't quite work out why they're still doing it. So military flyovers are banned. But commercial planes powered by sustainable fuels or aerobatic planes are still allowed. What? What? <laughs> What's the point? Oh, look, it's the... 
235 Lufthansa direct from <laughs> Stockholm to Copenhagen. Like, obviously, that wouldn't be in Bahrain. Not I know in Bahrain, mate. Copenhagen. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Quite a detail. also, I know that Lufthansa is a German airline, so probably fine from Germany before anyone calls out some of these, you know, you know, inconsistencies. But you get my point, right? Who cares about a commercial plane? Who cares about a military plane for that matter? Come on. It was an A380. Actually, I don't know what this one was. And it looked like it was sort of tilting a bit uh, dangerously. But um, it's very strange how no military flyovers, but you're allowed air displays. So red arrows. Very interesting. Anyway, that was the National Anthem Review. So, on to the race. Now, this obviously being the first race of the season, everyone was extremely excited about this race. Um, Who wants to talk us through turn one. Abby, I'm going to throw it at you. Okay, so Verstappen was on pole and he has never won the Bahrain Grand Prix before. And the Ferraris, obviously Leclerc won last year, Sainz and Leclerc have never won from not being on the front row. So it was who was going to get the lead into turn one. Verstappen, obviously being the driver that he did, maintained the lead. Perez didn't have that great a start, at the beginning of the race, because Leclerc managed to get ahead and overtake and get into P2. We then saw Hamilton get ahead of Russell as well, but also contact between teammates because Stroll ended up going into the side of Alonso and for the majority of the race, Alonso didn't actually know who went into him. We saw De Vries not have a very good start. He went down to 20th because Gasly had an amazing start. I think he moved up about four or five cars, I believe. But... It was a bit chaotic. We saw Magnussen be the only driver on hard compound tyres, which obviously aren't as fast as the softs, which definitely helps Leclerc and Hamilton. But Verstappen, he managed to, as I said, keep the lead, but he managed to fill out quite a big gap to the rest of the field. So it was Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez as the top three after lap one. Yeah, so this, I mean, it was a good opening lap, right? It, it, it had some drama. I couldn't believe the two Astons hitting each other. But it was business as usual for Red Bull. Uh, Verstappen just off into the distance. Sam, what, what what did you make of this lap? And do you really think there's any stopping Verstappen? I mean, uh, we only need to discuss lap one with him because he was gone. I, I, th- I mean, it was a clean enough race start. I, I personally think that Bahrain has probably one of the best first sectors on the calendar. So you always get a lot of good action there, even throughout the race, not just the first lap. I thought Perez was unlucky. He had a bad start. Well, it wasn't a great start, but then he kind of got boxed in to the inside by Verstappen, which gave Leclerc the, the opportunity to go around the outside. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think as soon as Verstappen got through the first corner first, you knew that, you know, it was a foregone conclusion by that stage. My take on the the Aston Martin um, incident is, I don't think Stroll is in the wrong as some people maybe feel. Yes, he went in a bit hot, but it was a very, very aggressive cutback from Alonso. But I also appreciate why the team didn't really want to talk about over team radio because they, I think, were probably trying to avoid a penalty for, for Stroll. That was my highlight of the entire weekend was them just evading the question persistently from Fernando of like, yeah. are we, are we, is it a penalty? No further action. Do we know who did it? Yeah, we're, we're looking into it, mate. Uh, we'll, <laughs> yeah, just wait for our email. Yeah, you know, if, you know, if Alonso had, had figured out who it was, there would have been chaos, right? And obviously we know what he said after the Grand Prix, but to be, to be 
pounded in the first lap by your teammate. Oh dear, that that could have really changed the whole outcome of that race. Oh, completely. But I, I also think that once you're out of the car, you've cooled down a bit, you're calmer. Alonso would have looked at that and gone, though I actually did come across the the racing line. Yeah, as I said, quite aggressively so, which Stroll maybe could have could have been a bit cooler. He was pretty hot going going into that corner. Um, but yeah, it was. You definitely what, what I enjoyed. You definitely saw how much speed was taken out of Stroll's car by that tiny, <laughs> yeah. t- well, tiny by that contact. It was like watching a, a corner from the F one game. It was far from a tiny contact. Like he's, I don't know how Alonso didn't get a puncture. I the, have no idea. The cars are seemingly a little bit more robust than they they, they were, um, or maybe the tires are as well. Abby, what do you think Alonso's reaction would have been if he if he'd been taken out the race by his teammate on the first lap? I think he would have been very frustrated, but I do feel if it wasn't his teammate, it would have been a whole lot worse. But because it was Stroll, he's got his injury, it's a new team for Alonso. He would have been angry, but still understood it and looked at it from a logical point of view, if that makes sense. But I'm just glad that it didn't take him out of the race because he provided the most action during the rest of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was like a man possessed. You know, (laughs) fully, fully up for it. Yeah, yeah, he just was giving more than everyone else. And 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 you saw that with... With Fernando, he was making a couple of little errors where he was just overdriving slightly. And and sticking with Alonso, do you think this is the Alonso that we used to know? Th- th- to me, this was the best Fernando that we're ever going to see. I mean, his battles throughout the race with Lewis, with George, with it, it was just incredible racing. And the race craft was, you know, honestly, as a race fan, it was beautiful to watch. Uh, would you agree with that, James? Yeah, I mean, he's been waiting, what, basically a decade for this to be back at the front since, well, yeah, the Ferrari in 2014. He's just been having to watch everyone and, you know, overdrive McLarens and, okay, Alpine have been there or thereabouts, but not at the proper sharp end. And, yeah, you can see he's still got that hunger well into his 40s. It's it's amazing. So talking about what was sort of the highlight of the race, which was um, Alonso's battle potentially with Lewis, I, I felt like that was the highlight. The move that he made down into turn 10. Um, Abby, if you had to rate that move, how would you rate it? I would rate it a 9.5. I feel like we could see potentially better racing, but it was just such a good because you don't normally see overtakes down into turn 10 I don't think and having the Aston Martin battle with the Mercedes it was really enjoyable to watch and I did fear that with Max so far in the distance we wouldn't really see that much on track action because Mercedes didn't seem to look quite as good as what people had hoped but it was a great battle to see Alonso go against both Russell and Hamilton. Uh, And what you see with the Aston as well is that it's clearly a car that is very good towards the end of a stint you can really push the tyres on it, which is the almost polar opposite of Ferrari, where science was really, really struggling with that, to the point that on race pace, the Aston, it's not really necessarily a question of, an, again, only one race in. Have have they moved ahead of have, uh, Mercedes? Have they also on race pace moved ahead of Ferrari? You know, we'll have to see over the next few rounds, but they've really 
a very nicely balanced car, which you can really kind of get the most out of. So yeah, I think there's a lot, you know, a lot to look at there. I think it's a scintillating prospect, the thought of four teams, if they're able to converge as well during the development race, fighting for for podiums and and wins would be, you know, we could potentially have a really good couple of seasons on our hands here. So let's talk about the Mercedes. So we, there there were hints that they weren't going to be very strong this year. Um, There was, from my perspective, no confidence from Toto or Lewis about anything going into this race. Um, I personally feel like, they did okay. Now, Toto has come out until it was the worst race of his life or, or whatever that quote was. But I think they did okay considering where they they sort of, they knew they were going to be. It was a tough race. Some things went in their favour. Um, but guys, do you think Mercedes can, can claw this back uh, this year? And the race pace looked okay for that Mercedes, didn't it? I disagree. Lance Stroll beat George Russell. With Lance Stroll with a broken wrist beat George Russell on merit. I, I I think I'm I'm looking at the Mercedes and I'm not seeing where they develop it from here. I think the potential ceiling for the the no pods concept is lower than it needs to be, and especially in the cost cap era, how do you pivot away from a developmental direction? I think it's very very difficult to. They, they potentially have have cornered themselves for the next two or three years with this. I think, yeah. Uh, I think this was make or break. I mean, I, I think it's become clear that Bahrain is not a good circuit for them anymore, ironically, considering, you know, the, the duel in the desert and them streaking away at two seconds per lap from the rest of the field. It's, yeah, it's really damaging. I think, you know, I think they're maybe arguably in a worse position than they were last year in the sense that, you know, they were coming into it with this crazy idea and there was scope to improve it if they understood it. Okay, they don't have the porpoising anymore. But the the feeling was, you know, that, oh, if they sort out the porpoising, maybe they can get some underlying performance. And now it's just like, well, no, it's it's just not good enough. The concept's screwed. And they've realised this, yeah, one race into a 23-race season and they've committed to it again. I think that's why that's why they were so down and Toto was so down. Lewis seemed happy to be having a fun battle with Alonso at the end. Um, he seemed to have made his peace with it. But yeah, I don't see how they come back. Well, Georgia said that they need to go back to the drawing board because this race and the result was a trip back to reality. But after qualifying, Toto already said, I don't think that this package is going to be competitive eventually and that they gave it their best shot, but it hasn't worked. And on the W14, above the side pods, Mercedes have like they have the no side pod concept, but then they have this shelf, which is almost perpendicular kind of. But if you look at the Astons, they're very similar to Red Bull, which I think has helped them not saying they're like copying the Red Bull again and the Green Bull, but they have a very similar concept and they are a lot faster. But with Mercedes, last year, Lewis got a podium. They obviously didn't this year, but it is only one race. They have 22 races left to go. But I do think they need to all have a reconvene and think, like, what is wrong with this car? Because, yes, there's no poor poisoning, but they are still lacking in a lot of areas. I think that's the other really damaging thing for them is the fact that they are now being beaten by a customer team. You know, Aston have shown what's capable with their engine and their rear suspension. I think that's why it really hurts them. And just to point out with that... Obviously, throughout the race, Lando Norris had issues. And whilst he was lapped and didn't have a very good race, he was able to keep up with Hamilton's car. 
he did have the pace to keep up despite all the issues that McLaren had. So yeah, it, it proper felt like Norris was actually in the race uh, towards the end, didn't it? It was very strange him sitting behind Lewis. But this is what I mean about when I was saying that there's pace in that McLaren. They just need to have a cleaner, more organised. It just everything that could possibly go wrong was going wrong for McLaren this weekend, and they didn't have a very clean, good, you know, very clean testing, and it's all just kind of trickled in. And really, they need to get that sorted quickly because, as we said in the the prediction show. I'm not certain that Lando Norris is going to stick around anymore. He's looking at himself. He know he knows that across the grid, he is one of the quicker drivers on pace, and that he can win races and probably even championships in the right car. You know, you're not going to waste your best years when a team can't deliver what you need them to deliver. Mm. Well, I mean, we will get on to McLaren, but what, one thing I found interesting is is just how, given the car, you see what Alonso is capable of. I mean, long-term F1 fans will know that anyway, but you see what Stroll's capable of. And you're looking at them against the Mercedes and how much extra wind tunnel time Aston Martin have compared to Mercedes and Red Bull. So if you're looking at the development race for this year, Aston Martin are going to win that. You know, they, they've got the resources. They've just built their new factory. They've got more wind tunnel time than both Mercedes and Red Bull. Um, you know, we think they're looking strong this weekend. Good God, what's going to come? So I, I think we've got a really, really exciting season ahead. Um, hopefully we don't see Stroll and Alonso touching again because that's going to end in a disaster. Um, but, I mean, no one wants to see that. <laughs> but talking of disasters, it is time to move on to Ferrari. So, um, wowzers, who, who wants to give an overview of a Ferrari's race? Okay, so obviously Leclerc did manage to get ahead at the beginning of the race, but it wasn't great for him because... Whilst in 2022 we had Leclerc win and it was a Red Bull DNF, this time it was Verstappen winning and a Ferrari DNF. Because for unfortunately for Leclerc, he did have to retire from the race. He did bring out the virtual safety car because his Ferrari cut out completely. And it was really heartbreaking to see because I did feel like Ferrari did have promise. But obviously they only had one driver left and Science, he did end up battling with Alonso at points, but ultimately he did get overtaken, knocking him out of the podium positions. So for Ferrari, it wasn't that great a weekend in Bahrain. Well, you've just struck on the, the heart of the issue. He was battling with Alonso. He, he should have been, you know, Leclerc re- retires, Science and goes, all right, I'm next man up. And, and just, they need more from Carlos Science. If they're going to take the fight to Red Bull, which they really need to be doing this year. They need more from Carlos Sainz. They need more from reliability as well, as we saw. Um, but yeah, I mean, Red Bull were very much in this position this time last year. So there's a lot of time to go and they don't have the restrictions in place that Red Bull do. I think for science, one of the main issues was that he didn't believe that he had the tyres and that they would make it if he continued to push and protect and defend against Alonso. But Alonso had better tyres and ultimately he got DRS and just managed to overtake. I think the difference, going back to Sam's point, between this year and last year, is that Red Bull and Ferrari looked pretty even on race pace. You know, there was the obviously the battle between Charles and Max and it was touch and go. I mean, Ferrari were killing their tyres whilst... Red Bull weren't even trying. I mean, they that was almost, yeah, Mercedes 2014 levels of dominance. They just turned the engine down and they were still pulling away at like half a second a lap. I genuinely think they could have lapped the entire field if they'd been going 100%. Completely. And Ferrari last year had a really strong qualifying pace. And, or at least they did at the start. 
and that seems to have evaporated. I just, it might be a bit of a hot take, but I genuinely think you could be looking at a 20-win season for Red Bull and potentially even Max Verstappen at this rate. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that. I'm my <laughs> optic well, my my worried prediction of a total max Red Bull domination is looking a lot better than my hot take prediction. I mean, it gives me anxiety thinking about this, right? Just a pure domination by Max. But, you know, we, we predicted that Ferrari would be the contender, right? We know, we knew Mercedes weren't going to be there. Realistically, we knew Aston Martin aren't going to be fighting for the title. But, you know, when Aston Martin are overtaking Ferraris, we've got to look at this like, okay, right, there is, it's Red Bull and then there's the rest. Max has won 15 of the last 20 races. You know, Schumacher's best stretch ever across multiple seasons, of course, 14 of 20. Vettel's was 13 of 20 and Hamilton's was 14 of 20 on a few occasions. So this is officially the most dominant period by any driver ever. Yeah, I mean, you're you're seeing what I think we all, the inevitability that I think we're all coming to is that when all is said and done, Max Verstappen will be the most decorated F1 driver of all time. Unless he 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 retires. Uh, Yeah, unless he gets bored. But also, he's what, 35, 36 wins in now? Surely you're going, I'm 25. I think where I could be in 10 years' time. Like, I I would have my aim on 100 wins, on Hamilton, on seven or eight Wales titles. Hmm. If I was Max, but also you, you, you see, you, uh, there's a real change in demeanor as well. I was saying to Ollie before before we started recording, on the podium he's there smiling, he's he's calm, it's effortless. He, there's this lack of intensity, but in a good way. It it's almost like he knows that he just needs to turn up, and everything else will, will fall into place. Yeah, I mean, there was an interview with Lewis um, over the weekend where it was on a lie detector. Now, if you haven't seen that, make sure you check it out. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, Hats off to Sky Sports for this. But Lewis was asked, will you stay in F1 until you get your eighth title? And he said yes. And the lie detector said he was telling the truth. So either he's going to be a really old man and get lucky, or there is something to come. Abby, which which do you think it is? I think Mercedes could unlock something with their car. I'd, in a couple years' time, I think he, he could get his eighth, not this year, but I wouldn't say that he will be in F1 until he's, like, nearly 50. I think he has a certain amount of years that he thinks he'll still be in it and that he can get the eighth title, and then he'll retire. I think what's fair to say, though, is that unless he gets very... Unless he retires and comes back and gets lucky in where he lands, like, say, louder, or, you know, Prost, I mean, he only had, took a year out. You're looking at potentially a Schumacher-like situation where he comes back and, you know, regulations have changed and he's not the driver he was, and it's this kind of sad end to a phenomenal career. Okay, okay. Well, let's get back to the race. Um, so we saw McLaren, who were, you know, they were up there last year. You know, it was, it was, it was talks of you know, Norris... Mr. P4, right? Um, It wasn't that way this weekend. It was a shocker of a weekend for McLaren. Now, we did see it coming, but it was worse than we predicted. Um, Abby, as a resident McLaren fan, what was your summary of McLaren this weekend? And the new boy, Oscar Piastri, I mean, he was meant to shock the world. It was heartbreaking to watch because on lap 13, Oscar Piastri, on his debut F1 race, had to retire. 
obviously we saw Norris come in for new tyres, but he also suffered engine issues with a pneumatic problem, which lasted the entirety of the race. And I think he came into the pits about six times, which, as we mentioned earlier, he was lapped, but he did keep pace with Hamilton. But yeah, Piastri, he had a really unlucky weekend. He was out in Q1, out on lap 13, because he came in after he lost the gearbox to the pits. McLaren switched out the steering wheel, waited for it to turn on, but nothing happened and he was forced to retire. And then Zach Brown did say it was an electrical problem that they need to figure out. But I feel like McLaren are really underperforming. They underperformed in testing. They underperformed this weekend. And I kind of feel like the team have their eggs in too many baskets. They're racing in so many different motorsport championships. They've got the youngest driver lineup on the grid. And I don't think that they can really develop the car. Yes, Lando has experience in F1, but having such a young lineup, I feel like they need someone older to help develop the car. But hopefully they do better, but I'm not counting on it. Someone like uh, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, James? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't believe... I, I'm so sad to see Daniel not in the sport, and I'm sure he's gutted. But equally, can you imagine being paid not to drive that car? Like, as things stand currently, he's got how many millions and now is gone to red bull to reserve driver and he doesn't have to drive that car which <laughs> had uh oscar doing a windows xp reboot in the pits it looked like and ultimately not even getting started again it's it's a real shame to see i i, I love mclaren and they really seem to be on that upward trajectory and it's just gone the opposite way it's like they they peaked in 2020 2021 ish and now they're heading the wrong direction again. And you kind of, you thought it was this new dawn for them with, with Zach at the helm and the way things had gone. But now they, I think the pressure is going to start heating up more and more on, on Zach. And particularly so given that, yeah, let's say best case scenario, they're fighting Alpine for fifth place in the Constructors' Championship. In a world where Aston Martin have taken a great leap forward and you've now got four teams at the top of the, the standings, in your average race, say there are no problems amongst those four teams at the top, that means you are fighting for P9, P10 and fastest lap if you manage to get P9 or P10. That's four points in total across four cars for Alpine and McLaren. They are gonna, there's going to be a huge, huge gap between those top four teams and fifth place. Uh, you know, if this is how, if this is a mark of how the season will go. Yeah, I mean, uh, James just mentioned the the Windows XP reboot, which I, I liked. But when he, when he put that steering wheel in, it literally it booted up. It had a little McLaren um, was like screensaver on it, didn't it? It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh dear, I was watching that thinking, oh god, why doesn't the thing just load up? <laughs> it's there with its little thing spinning. Um, but someone else who had an awful race. I mean, th- this was, I thought, comical was Esteban Ocon. Now, mm. it started with a five second. It went to a 10 second, went to a 15 second. Guys, what what was going on uh, for Esteban Ocon? Yeah, it, it was very entertaining, actually, having Ocon over the radio and that. But the first penalty he got was for a starting infringement, which he said over the radio, I've been doing this my whole career in F1. Why am I getting the penalty now? He then came into the pits to serve that penalty. But then he got another penalty because he served that penalty incorrectly because this team started changing his nose cone too early before the five seconds were actually up. And then 
He ended up with a third penalty because when he went to serve the second penalty, he sped in the pit lane. So it wasn't a very good race for the Frenchman at all. No, and we've, we've been talking about this, you know, the French rivalry. Um, but I almost felt like F1, the, the guy's last, right? Why are you going at him so hard? Like, just just leave it because he's obviously just going to pull out of the race. It's an, an, an it's just going to happen. James is a resident I mean, French man. What do you think of this? I'm not a resident French fan. <laughs> um, just happened to live here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they've got to give him the penalties. If you don't serve your penalties right, it's a slam dunk. You can't go, oh, he's last anyway. Let's not let's not give it to him. It was It's kind of systematic or representative of Alpine's troubles recently, isn't it? It's just operational issues, just the basics. You know, trying to end up losing two promising drivers. Promising. Yeah, the whole Alonso being a rookie thing. No, two very good quality, seemingly drivers. And now they can't even serve a penalty right. It's different issues to McLaren but yeah you know the the two teams that were battling it out for best of the rest last year are battling for a lot worse than that right now I bet Pierre Gasly is panicking you know the FIA's favourite you know penalty recipient at Alpine clearly the FIA's favourite penalty recipient I mean where's the the French camaraderie uh, between them (laughs) it's yeah (laughs) Um, I mean, yeah, I agree with James. You absolutely have to get the penalties because yeah, what if something totally bizarre happens and Ocon ends up scoring points? Everyone's going to go, well, actually, there was an infringement there and you didn't penalise it because you thought he was out of the race. And yeah, it's one of those when it rains, it pours, right? So he's probably looking at it and going, at least I'm getting all of this out of the way now. Mm, potentially. Um, talking of backmarkers, so uh, Williams, backmarkers no more. Sam, what was your take on Williams this weekend? I know you've been dying to talk about Sergeant since since you've watched the race. <laughs> yeah, this I, I've said to Ollie at least twice now that I am going to use this as a massive stick to beat him with um, because I knew that Logan Sergeant would come in and he'd perform well, and he has to qualify with the same time as Lando Norris in your first qualifying session. Yeah. Brilliant. Showed he's got pace, shows he can absolutely put it together over one lap when he needs to, but also in the race as well. He finished what a handful of seconds down the road from Alex Albon who scored a point. So there's some real progress there from Williams, which is really good to see because I think after testing, we were a bit worried that it was more of the same for them and that there would be, the back marker there's not even a group of them anymore it seemingly has been Williams struggling whilst there's a a bigger midfield ahead of them but what this could kind of see is if they have managed to bring themselves into that midfield almost a two-tiered championship where the conventional front runner midfield back marker kind of status quo that we've seen is at least temporarily suspended and you've got kind of a the first four teams and then an F1 1.5 for the rest of the six battling out for those four points. Okay. So it was a, it was a good, very entertaining opening round because it was just unexpected. Um, Retiring from the race, we had Esteban Ocon. We had Charles Leclerc and Oscar Piastri. Abby, would you like to run us through the finishing order? Yes. So obviously Verstappen had a very lonely race and won. It was then Perez in P2 and Alonso rounding out the podium. Science was in P4 ahead of Hamilton in P5. Stroll was in P6 in, ahead of Russell in P7. And then you had Bottas in P8, Gasly in P9 and Albon rounding out the top 10. 
So that takes us nicely onto our driver of the day. Let's uh, let's see what you guys think. Um, Sam, I'll start it with you. I wonder who was your driver of the day. I'm going to leave the obvious choice to someone else, and I'm going to say Pierre Gasly. New team, awful, horrible Saturday. And but just got his head down, did a job on Sunday, picked up points. It from from where he was starting, it couldn't really have gone better for him. Um, so yeah, Pierre Gasly, I think he put a solid shift in. Yeah, that's actually a fair call. I'll give you that. Um, James, driver of the day. Well, if we're leaving the obvious one, then I'll go for the unobvious obvious one, which is Max. You know, it, it quite often happened where Lewis was. You know, sailing away at the front and people never considered that. I mean, I think he got one driver of the day and across two seasons or something where he took the title. It's easy to forget how good a job the person at the front's doing just because they got it easy. So I think it's worth someone giving it to Max because he did look like he could have done that with even fewer working wrists than Lance. Okay. Um, Abby. To also leave the obvious one, I'm going to go with Lando because whilst he was lapped and he didn't have a very good race, he did manage to keep up with the Mercedes despite all the issues he had and despite the bad car that the McLaren is at the moment. And after the race in the interviews, he did look fairly upbeat, which I was surprised at given the poor performance. Abby, I'm thrilled that you started the year with a the most Abby <laughs> <laughs> Just really like so far out of the box, you can't even see the box. I love yeah, it. And, that's and, what I'm going for. But you make a very good point. He, oh, thank you. Yeah, there's clearly pace in that. There's clearly pace in that, McLaren. I've said it three times now. <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you so much guys uh i'm gonna give my driver of the day to hmm, fernando alonso i think he uh he deserved that i don't need to justify it i think that is uh signed sealed delivered thank you guys for letting me say for once the driver of the day thanks very much abby would you like to talk us through the constructors standings Yes. So obviously Red Bull are number one with 43 points, but it is Aston Martin in second with 23 points. Mercedes are then in third ahead of Ferrari in fourth. Alfa Romeo are in fifth with four points, only two ahead of Alpine. And it is Williams in seventh with one point. And then the three teams that are in eighth, ninth and tenth with zero points are Alfa Tauri, Haas and McLaren respectively. Very good. Did Aston Martin ever think that they're being P2 in the championship? Sam, do you think Do you think Lawrence Stroll is sitting there going, I've done that? Well, they've got over a third of the points they got last season in one round. Didn't they get was it 55 points they finished 2022 with? So, yeah, I mean, they must be absolutely thrilled with that. And we didn't mention him in the driver of the day conversation, but surely Lawrence Stroll is in that conversation at some point. Hmm. Um he, he really put a shift in. Um, and, you know, I think we're all disappointed that Felipe Drogovic didn't get to make his debut, but you're going to put your, your, your driver in if he passes all the checks. So, yeah, I bet they're over the moon. Okay, so that was round one of the championship. Coming up, round two is Jeddah. I'm genuinely very excited for this race. Uh, we've seen how good it can be. 
I didn't want to like this race, but I'm starting to love it. James, how do you feel about Jeddah now we've now we've been there a couple of times? Um, still conflicted. It's there's no overlooking the issues. Um, I'm not going to get into that right now, but the race, at least, yeah, is normally entertaining, and they've seemingly repaired some of the issues that the track had. They've opened up the visibility, haven't they, I think? Okay. Um, Abby, are you excited for Jeddah? Uh, putting politics to one side, obviously. In terms of racing, are you are you excited for it? I am. I am. I'm also a bit nervous because last year we did see five drivers, DNF, obviously two didn't actually start the race, but we did see five retire. But I feel like it could provide some good racing. I'm just hoping that Max doesn't have a lonely race out front, not really battling with anyone. I want more people battling at the front. Well, Jeddah tends to throw up some uh, uh, unexpected uh, incidents. Sam, what's your predictions for Jeddah? I mean, I'm just amazed that Abby remembers that two drivers didn't start the race. I can't even begin to imagine or think which two drivers they were. So, <laughs> I know, Nathan, I can't Yuki, remember, right? <laughs> that's, that's really thrown me. So, fair yeah, play. Schumacher and Yuki. Schumacher had a crash in Pauline, couldn't start. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I think Yuki had a penalty or something. Yeah, Sam, Sam was on a stag that weekend as well. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the young, fresh mind of Abby. That's what it is. You guys are a lot older than me, so. Yeah, I was going to say, if you know, we're sprightly uh, when we're animated, we're that old. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am in James's camp where I'm conflicted with it. Um, and again, saying away from obvious things, the track still makes me feel uneasy. It feels like it's waiting for a big accident. We flirted with it already in the first couple of years. Yes, changes continue to be made, but we'll have to see. I don't think the racing prospect is going to be as good as it was last year, at the front at least. Um, I think it's, again, probably a foregone conclusion already. But hopefully we can have some nice battles between the Ferraris, Mercedes and Aston Martins. Okay. All right. Well, that's Jeddah. Um, Coming up before Jeddah, James, we've got some podcasts coming out. What have we got? I think we're going to tell you about the news, probably, a couple of times before then. Indeed. So make sure you listen to News from the Nerds to get all the F1 fix you need. We give you the five biggest stories from the world of F1. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's your intro. Good stuff. Um, awesome. Okay, well, that is it. Thank you very much, Sam, for joining me. You can go to bed now. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I have, I have felt better. <laughs> and uh, Abby, thank you very much. You can go to bed too. Oh, thank you, Ollie. <laughs> no bed for you, James. <laughs> James, you must stay up and write, <laughs> the, write the description. Um, and James, thank you very much, sir. Pleasure always. And that is all for now. Until next week, goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Podcast Network.